Good morning everyone, it is absolutely fantastic to be able to stand up here and share with you from God's Word. Uh, we are moving on in our series about John, uh, sorry, from the book of John, and we hit chapter 6. Now, well, if, if we're going to get that for just saying we're in chapter 6, wait until you hear what's coming up. <laughs> Of course, I'll now be really worried if no one does anything during the sermon. Um, but, but we're going to talk about feeding the 5,000. Now, when, uh, when, when in the elders meeting, Alan said, oh, I think you need to do feeding the 5,000, I think he was kind of just having a bit of a laugh. Because uh, we know about how, how much I love to feed people. And so, uh, so Alan said, oh, I think it's appropriate for you to do feeding the 5,000. My, my record so far is to feed 80. So there's like 400, uh, 4,920 more to go. And and then I'll be able to uh, say that, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been like the disciples. So anyway, enough about that. Um, so I'm going to just start by kind of giving a paraphrase of, the, uh, of, of what happened in, uh, uh, in this uh, time when Jesus fed the 5,000. I will come on to that in a minute. Uh, and you can follow along in John 6 if you, uh, if you so wish to. But I'm paraphrasing rather than just reading out. Uh, so first of all, we see, and, and this is quite important for something that's coming up later. Uh, first of all, we see in the first three Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark and Luke, that the uh, feeding of the 5,000 comes pretty much straight after that Jesus has sent out the twelve. And uh, if you read that little bit of the passage, it's, uh, you know, Jesus says, go out in pairs, uh, the 12 disciples, don't take anything for your journey, just go and, uh, you know, stay where you are welcomed, and if you're not welcomed, then move on. So it comes straight after that. Um, so Jesus, uh, Jesus, you know, disciples come back to him and he says, let's go up to uh, a place, a quiet, solitary place where we can rest. Okay? So Jesus and the disciples go to this quiet place, but the people hear about it and they went to where they were resting. And when Jesus saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them, teaching them and healing the sick. As evening approached, Jesus spoke with the disciples about where the people should go and get food. In particular, Jesus asks Philip, where shall we buy enough bread for these people to eat? Now he did this to test Philip, because he already had in mind what was going to happen and what he was going to do. But Andrew... Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he'd obviously heard some of this conversation and uh, he pops up and he says, Jesus, there's a young man here and he's got five loaves and two fish. But how how far is that going to go with so many people? So Andrew brings the boy to Jesus and the boy gives Jesus the five loaves and the two fish. And Jesus gets the crowd to sit down in groups He takes the bread and the fish, he gives thanks for it. And then giving it to the disciples to distribute amongst the the, the, the people. And it says there were 5,000 men plus women and children fed that day. And when everyone had eaten as much as they could manage, the disciples collected in 12 basketfuls of leftovers. So that's... That's feeding the 5,000, and that's what we're just going to look at. Now, first of all, I want to be absolutely crystal clear. 
this was not a story about one small boy's generosity prompting the generosity of 5,000 other people. That is rubbish. And I'm going to be quite firm on that. This was a miracle. This was a miracle that was performed. There was a multiplication of the bread and the fish in that moment. And 5,000 people were fed. Well, 5,000 plus people were fed. This is not a story about generosity. Although there is the boy's generosity in handing over his lunch. Okay? This is not a story about that one thing inspiring the generosity of the masses. This is a miracle. Okay? Thank you. Um, And any other thing to say is, uh, I I will talk about 5,000 people, because, you know, that's the wording used in in here. 5,000 people. But, again, the Gospels do say that was 5,000 men. Okay? That doesn't count children and women. So... We are talking 5,000 individuals, couples, or family groups. So therefore, the number fed would have been significantly more than just 5,000. Okay? But because we all know it's a story of feeding the 5,000, I'm going to talk 5,000 because that's the number that's in here. But just to be clear, that's not the actual number. There were 5,000 individuals, couples, or family groups present. Now, when I read passages like this, (laughs) I always end up saying... I want to see the miraculous in my life. So why am I not? And that every time I read a passage like this, that is the question that goes through my head. But working our way through the passage, I just want to set the scene. It had been a long day. Any food the people had set off with in the morning, they would have eaten by now. You know, they might have set off with a packed lunch. You know, uh, thinking, right, we're going to go around, we're going to find Jesus, we're going to be where he's at, I'm going to take some provisions to have on the way. But, you know, as Jesus had taught, as Jesus had done the miraculous, you know, they, they probably would have eaten what they had carried. And so it gets to the end of the day. The Gospels say it was either late afternoon or early evening. Okay, so we'd got to the end of the day and the people had no food and they were getting hungry. But, first of all, when Jesus saw them, the Gospels say he had compassion on them. And how many times do we see in Scripture the words, Jesus had compassion, or Jesus filled with compassion? If I want to see the miraculous, I need to develop a heart of compassion and love. I need to develop a heart of compassion and love. If I'm looking for the miraculous to be able to say to people, look at my ministry, look at what I did. No, I need to have a heart of compassion for the person or the people that are in that place of needing the miracle. And then we see Jesus says to Philip, where are we to get bread to feed all these people? And as I say, Jesus is testing Philip. He's testing him to see if he's learnt from his experiences of being sent out with the twelve. So when they were sent out as the twelve disciples, they were told, take nothing for the journey. Trust in God. When you arrive at a place, if you're welcome, stay there. God will provide for you through the place where you stay. You don't need to take something with you. Trust in God that he will take you to the right place. He will take you to the right house. He will take you to the right person. And that person will be able to provide for your needs. 
So that was a a very small version of what later became feeding of the 5,000. They went out in 12 and they found God provided for all of their needs whilst they were out on this ministry trip working in pairs to the little villages nearby. God provided their needs. And so when they came back, and now they're faced with 5,000 plus people who need feeding, there is no difference to having your needs met and feeding 5,000. It's just the numbers bigger. But God is bigger than that. If there had been 100,000 people there, God could still have fed them. It would have just taken a bit longer. (laughs) You know, there is no limit to what God can do. There is no limit to God's miraculous power. There is no limit to, to what he wants to do in our lives. So Jesus was testing Philip. He was saying, have you learnt from that ministry trip that God will provide for your needs? Because here we are now in a bigger situation and the principle is still the same. Trust in God and he will meet your needs. The situations that we face in our lives, they're not just situations to have happen and then forget about. They're things from which we can learn. They're things from which God teaches us and grows our faith. And speaking to the, the, the students amongst us. Thank you. <laughs> Ada's getting excited. Speaking to the students amongst us. You know, you, you will face challenges in your university years, but look at them as being opportunities for growth. Look at them as being opportunities for, for you to, you to develop and, and grow in your walk with God. And to those of us that are a little bit, those of us that can remember that last song, don't forget all the learning that God has has given you through your life experiences. Remember it, learn from it, and pass it on. Because we want these young people to go from where we are now, not to have to go through all the things that we had to go through, in order to get, we want to be constantly growing, we want to be constantly developing. So I should be able to take what God has taught me through my life's experiences and pass it on to the next generation and see them build from where I've got to and build further and deeper with God. Thank you. So, <clears throat> Philip doesn't get this. He uh, he responds from a place, place of practicality, okay? How many of us respond from a place of practicality rather than faith? It's easily done. I do it many a time. And he says, 200 denarii, a denarii being a day's wage, wouldn't be enough. And like I say, at this point, Andrew pops up and says, here's a boy with five loaves and two fish. And up comes the boy, bringing what he had and gave it to Jesus. Now I like to think, I know it's not in the the passage, but you know, I like to think that Jesus then had a little chat with the boy. How come you've still got your lunch? It's the end of the day. What, what, you know? And I I can just imagine the boy standing there saying, well, I was out playing with my mates and uh, I kind of forgot to have my lunch. So I've still got my bread. Maybe he'd been fishing. Maybe that's where the fish came from. We don't know. But Jesus, I can just imagine him saying, well, how come you've got this food? Everyone else has eaten theirs. And he says, well, I just didn't, didn't, you know, I didn't have my lunch. But here it is. I'm giving it to you to do with what you will. Now, just think about this from the perspective of the boy. He's come out for the day. He's got his food. And then he's essentially has been a challenge made of, 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 you know, has anyone got any food? The master wants it. The teacher wants it. He's going to do something. And he hands over what he's got. He now has 
no food. The boy has no food. He's given everything to the master. He's given everything to Jesus, the teacher. So he's taken himself from a place of I have to a place of I have not. But he's doing it because he trusts Jesus. And he trusts that when Jesus says, I am the God of the miraculous, that he's going to do something with that food. And that that generosity of giving is not going to go uh, and he's going to suddenly find himself in lack. And I think that's really important because when we talk about this story, we just say, oh, you know, the boy gave over his bread and his fish and, you know, how lovely is that? And then a miracle happens and they all get fed. But put yourself in the place of that boy in that moment. He handed over what he had and Jesus used it and Jesus multiplied it. And I believe the question that we're being asked is, what have you got? Hand it over and see what Jesus will do with it. See how Jesus will multiply it and make it into a miraculous offering. Okay? So, what is that God asking us to give? Okay? So then I, <laughs> my, my brain goes off on some weird tangents at times. I'm, I'm now thinking, why bread and fish? Why not a ham sandwich? And that was truthfully what went through my head. Now, for those that know the background, it would never have been a ham sandwich because that would have been all sorts of wrong. But um, because Jews don't eat pork, ham, pork. Yeah. Sorry, just to, yeah. So <laughs> why was it? Why was it bread and fish? Now, God doesn't do things by accident. And I think we can learn from the fact that it was bread and fish. And I want to give a shout out now to Tabby. Where's Tabby? Is Tabby here? Yeah. Oh, there's Tabby. Right, so I was talking about this in our MCOM, and, uh, and, and Tabby pops up and she says, well, in John, uh, John 1, doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't John say that uh, Jesus was the Word made flesh, and that all things are made through him? And doesn't John, in John 6, say, I am the bread of life? And she's drawing out something that we can draw out. It's not a coincidence in God that this was bread and fish. It's bread because Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am all you need. I am the word made flesh. Everything was created through me. I am more than enough. And why fish? Well, in the Bible, fish... Uh, represents um, abundance and provision. You know, Jesus says to Peter, go and catch a fish and there'll be a coin for the tax in its mouth. Provision, abundance. Genesis 1, and the seas teemed with living creatures, fish. Abundance. (laughs) Fish talks about abundance. Fish talks about provision. So by having bread and fish, yeah, we can just say, well, it was just bread and fish. It was fish finger sandwich. No, it was more than that. God was saying, God brought the things together to say, my son is more than enough to meet every need you have. Because through him, everything was made. And there is abundance of fish. There is abundance in him. So... (laughs) Uh, so I don't know what it says in your Bible, but in my Bible it, it has the title, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. <gasps> I can't say that. The disciples fed the 5,000. 
The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. It could only happen because Jesus made it happen. Jesus brought it about. Jesus brought it into being. But it was the disciples' hands. They're walking around amongst the crowds and they're giving out bread. And this bread is just not disappearing. They're giving out fish. And this fish is not disappearing. It is just multiplying in their hands. It's really important that we realise that it was faith that brought about the miraculous in this situation. And God is saying to us, your faith is enough. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Now, I don't know why you'd want to move a mountain, but, you know, he said it. Only believe. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, only believe. If you have faith, you can feed the 5,000. As long as that faith is in Jesus. And not in yourself. And not in your own experiences. And not in your teaching. And not in, in, in just wise words that's come from someone. If your faith is in Jesus... That is enough. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. You distribute the bread. You collecting the leftovers. He is equipping the disciples and he is saying, only believe. And if you believe, the miraculous can happen. When they had eaten enough... Jesus told the disciples to collect in what was left. Now, there's a couple of points here. You realise the miracle meant that they all got fed and they all had enough for that meal. There is no indication here that they filled their pockets. I mean, let's face it. It wouldn't go down well if you filled your pockets with lots of fish, would it? I mean, you know, let, let's, let's, let's be honest here. You know, you're walking home and you think, why is everyone giving me a wide berth? Uh, it's because you filled your pockets with fish, you know, like that. There is no indication that that happened. They were fed for that meal. They did not take a Tupperware tub with them for tomorrow. Yeah? So point number one in terms of the disciples collecting in what was left, they were fed for that meal. The provision of God, the miracle of God is for now. It is for now, it is for today. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, let tomorrow look after itself. The miracle of God is for now, not for tomorrow. When the when the, the Israelites went out to collect manna, if they collected enough for tomorrow, it went mouldy and Moses had a bit of a hissy fit. Okay? It wasn't good. God's provision is for now. So don't be standing there sorry, sorry, don't be sitting there and thinking, I haven't got enough for tomorrow. If you've got enough for today, that is God's provision. Anything else? You can give it back to him because God guarantees you my provision is enough for tomorrow. All you need to do is trust me for today. The provision, the miracle is for the now. Don't store up treasures on earth. Instead, store up treasure in heaven. That's Matthew 6. What good is it for you to gain the whole earth and forfeit your soul? Mark 8. The boy gave what he had. This meant he had nothing left to eat himself. And that prompted a miracle. 
Give what you have and let God do the miracle with it. So another point from here is we need to trust God for tomorrow. Um, the disciples gathered in 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Now I want to be clear. Um, first of all, these baskets of leftovers, they might have been leftovers. They might have, I think some versions say scraps. They were the outcome of the miraculous. Those leftovers were the product of the miraculous. Let's never get to a point where we take the miraculous for granted. At the moment, you know, I, I was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago, uh, along with a couple of the, a couple of the young people um, down at MPSSM, and I was watching this guy, and he's uh, he's getting prayed for. This will give you an insight into the way my brain works. So I'm watching this guy, he's getting prayed for, and uh, he's sitting down, and uh, Matt, one of the leaders, he's holding his legs, and you can quite clearly see that one leg is slightly shorter than the other. You can tell by the white stripe on the heel of his shoe. Okay? And so, so I'm watching this thinking, oh, is something going to happen? <laughs> is, is this leg going to grow? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sort of thinking, Lord... Let his leg grow, Lord, we pray. I'm thinking, I want to see this leg grow. So anyway, this guy, Matt, he starts to pray for him. And his leg starts to grow. It's getting longer. And I'm, so, so I'm standing there thinking, he's moving in his seat, isn't he? You know, he's shifting his bum slightly. So he's like, but he's not. So I'm, I'm watching him and I'm, he's not moving in his seat. So I think, well, maybe Matt's pulling his leg in the physical sense rather than having a laugh. And, and he's not. And then this guy gets up, and the look of shock on his face was a picture. I mean, if I if I had the presence of mind, I would have taken a photo, but I didn't. The look of shock on his face, and he starts, and then he starts running up and down, and and I'm like, what have I just seen? <laughs> well, you know, and then the thought goes through my mind. Oh, if only I'd been on playing, you know. Oh, look at me, you know. If only, well, yeah, that takes me back to the bit earlier. It's got to be about compassion for the person. But it gives you an insight into me. Anyway, I believe that God is about to bring about a revival in our nation. I have shared that many, many times. We must never take that for granted when it happens, though. The miraculous is not for taking for granted. The miraculous is for bring, inspiring worship and awe, for de- inspiring almost fear in God. That is what the miraculous is for. So they gathered in these, these leftovers. Sorry, that's where I was. They gathered in the leftovers, but these are the products of the miraculous. So they are really, you know, it's important. You know, it's not just to be thrown away. Let's never take for granted the miraculous. But also, I don't know whether you noticed, 12 disciples, 12 baskets. Now, I have no idea what happened to all these leftovers. Did the boy stagger back home with these baskets of bread? Uh, it, it, interestingly, in, in one of the, one of the guys, it says they collected in bas- 12 basketfuls of bread. It doesn't mention the fish. Uh, which, if that is the case, is probably a good thing, because it would have been sitting around for a while. Um, you know, health and safety and food hygiene and all that. But... <laughs> What happened to the bread? I don't know. We don't know. It's not written in scripture. But I, I find it fascinating that there are 12 disciples and there are 12 baskets of bread left over. And so I want to speak over, if you are faithfully serving God, and if you are faithfully giving what you have in surrender to God, I want to speak over your double portion. Double portion. The disciples would have eaten, I'm sure, as they were handing it out. 
And yet there were still basketfuls left over. One basket, one disciple. I want to speak over you a double portion. So if you're sitting there and you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I give, I give, I give my money, I give my time, I serve, I'm faithful. Lord, I pray for everyone who's sitting here now thinking that. I pray a double portion because there is more than enough in you, Lord. So I pray a double portion over you, okay? There is a double portion for those who give generously and serve God faithfully. So to recap from our story, where are we so far? The miraculous comes from a heart of compassion and love. Our experiences are to shape and grow us so that we can go deeper with God. Ask ourselves, what is God asking me to give? The boy gave everything, he had nothing left for himself. What is God asking us to give? Jesus is more than enough. For your needs for now, and the abundance for whatever is coming. So you can just trust him. We only need to believe in Jesus to step into the miraculous. Only believe. We can trust Jesus, trust God for today, and let tomorrow worry about itself. And then finally, there is provision in God for those that give themselves to serve the kingdom. So that is all well and good. But what about my question then? I want to see the miraculous in my life. So why am I not? And I was asking myself this. I've done a lot of driving lately. I was asking myself this in the car. And I felt God just say three things to me. First of all, So the question is, I want to see the miraculous in my life, so why am I not? First thing that I felt God say is, you are. Okay, God, right? (laughs) I saw someone's leg grow. We have provision, we have testimony after testimony after testimony of provision of God in our life. Abundance, not in the sense of we can buy a Ferrari, but in the sense that we have enough to pay the bills, to feed ourselves, in, in the time since I left teaching, we have never not eaten. And yet there have been times when we have been what I would call pre-free school meals. That's where your income is not high enough to get free school meals. And yes, you did hear that right. There was a case, there, there, there was, you know, there, in education there used to be a situation where you could not earn, there were, people might not be earning enough to actually qualify for free school meals. Not long after I left teaching, we were in that position. Yes, Karen, it is bizarre, but that is what happened. We were free, free school meals. We couldn't pay ourselves enough to qualify for free school meals. And yet we never went without. We never went without. We had holidays. We were able to overpay the mortgage. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. But God's provision is enough. And we have to remind ourselves of these things and not take them for granted. And the same is true for everyone sitting here. God's provision is enough. Uh, God also said to me, Are you fully surrendered to me? Have you laid down all of yourself so there is nothing left of you but only me? My first response is, yeah, I have done that. And then suddenly everything pops to mind where I haven't laid it down. (laughs) I think God's great. (laughs) So I'm sitting there in the car, driving along, saying to God, yeah, I've, I've fully surrendered to you. Yeah, I've, I've given every, I, you know, yeah, there's nothing left of me. And then he says, well, what about that chip on your shoulder from teaching? 
So I've, I've never shared this. People I've spoken about individually, I've spoken to. But I have never actually shared this publicly. When I left teaching, um, I, was, uh, I wasn't well, resting on my shoulders here. I was deputy head. I was also in charge of all the outcomes for the whole school. And we dropped by 7%. Someone had to go. And so I was out. And my career ended in terms of teaching. And that's really hard to say because I have always said, when people have said what happened at the end of your career, I, in terms of teaching, I've always said, oh, you know, I, I was ill, so I decided I, I wouldn't do it. You know, I was, it was not good for my health. You know, I, I, would, I would use the phrase, oh, I wasn't seeing the boys. You know, I wasn't, I was coming in, I was leaving at six, I was getting in at seven, eight o'clock. I wasn't seeing the boys. At the end of the day, I would have just carried on. I loved it. I was asked to leave. And that was really hard for me to say. And so I have not been in surrender to God for all these years because I have not told the full truth about why I'm no longer a teacher. That's really hard for me to say. But I said to God in the car on the way back that I would, I would confess that I hadn't been truthful. Because I want to see revival. And I don't want to be the reason revival doesn't happen because I'm not living in full surrender to God. So I will lay down everything. I will lay down everything that is me because I want to be poised for when God says, now is the time. So that's me. But the question that we all need to ask, are we all surrendered fully to God? When Jesus said in uh, uh, Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That word follow me means uh, to conform to my example or be like me. If I want to see the miraculous in my life, I need to be like Jesus and lay down everything that could be a barrier to his movement, to his power. Otherwise, I will not step into it. And so I'm standing here now saying I'm laying everything down. And I'm sure that God will reveal more things for me to (laughs) share at some point. Um, Right, finally, are you continually being filled with my spirit? That was the third thing that God said to me. Uh, we love this. Sally and I, we were talking about it at MCOM the other day. We were talking about how the, the word for be filled actually says, be being filled, keep keeping being filled. So it's not just a one-off. It's not like, I was filled, woo It's a, I am being filled. It's an ongoing filling, okay? If I have a cup and I fill that cup and I turn off the tap, that cup was filled, If I keep the tap running, that cup is being filled, even though it is flowing over the top. And that is what it means to be baptised in the Spirit. It's about being filled, not have you been filled. And so God said to me, are you being filled? And I had to say, well, I'm, I'm not sure I am every day. Am I every single day coming to God and saying, fill me again? Holy Spirit, fill me again. Uh, Every day, am I like uh, fully immersed in the Spirit with the Spirit fully immersed in me? Or am I relying on yesterday's blessing? 
And if I want to step into the miraculous, I've got to be being filled with the Spirit of God. Continually, ongoing baptism. And the same comes to each of us. Are we being filled every single moment in the Spirit of God? So, if I want to see the miraculous in my life, if you want to see the miraculous in your life, I need to encourage you to think about these two things. Am I fully surrendered to God? And am I keeping being filled with the Holy Spirit? I'd like to invite the band to come back up. If you don't mind. Thank you. And I realised that actually earlier on in our gathering, we prayed for people to be filled with the Spirit. But I want to extend that off again. If you are sitting here and you're thinking... I need to respond to this. I need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Then I want you to come out. And I'm going to ask the ministry team to come back out again and be ready to pray an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not being filled at the moment. Come out, get someone to pray for you. The other group that I just want to make an offer again, I, I realise this has been done, but I want to, if you're sitting there and you don't know Jesus, then come out. <laughs> Someone will pray for you to meet Jesus. It's amazing. Best decision you can make. There are challenges, but the, you know, you'll go through those challenges anyway, so you may as well go through them with Jesus. He's, he's wonderful. You know, he's, he's just amazing. Why, why would you not? So. I'm going to hand back to Andy. Thank you very much. Did you notice he strung his guitar whilst we were doing the notices? It's great. Um, I'm going to hand back to Andy. But if you need to be being filled, come out. Get prayer. If you don't know Jesus, come out. Get prayer. And the fact, the, 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 just one more. If you are sitting there and you want to make a statement, say, I am prepared to surrender everything to God then do it where you stand. Come into the aisle. Go to the sides. Do something. Let God know you mean business, that you are surrendered to him.